Chapter 14 of the Submarine Boys Lightning Cruise. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Submarine Boys Lightning Cruise by Victor G. Durham. Chapter 14 Radwin Doesn't See His Best Chance. Late in the afternoon, Farnham went up to the hospital to see David Pollard again. As too many visitors would not be wise, the shipbuilder represented, also, his young submarine officers. He left them in the lobby of the Somerset. "'Don't go away from here,' smiled Mr. Farnham wearily. "'Don't let anybody coax you away from here. Just stay right here, and I won't have to worry about you while I'm away. We can't take any chances. Can't lose any more of our crowd.' "'Those are orders, sir,' Jack Benson answered. "'You'll be obeyed.' For the better part of an hour, the boys remained where Farnham had left them. Then something happened that brought the flush of anger to all their bronzed, honest young faces. One of the outer doors opened, and Fred Radwin, catching sight of the submarine boys as he entered, hastened over to where they sat, a look of pretended sympathy on his handsome but snake-like face. "'Boys,' he called in a low voice, as all three rose, as though to ward off blows, it was only a little while ago that I heard of the fearful accident. Poor Pollard! I want to tell you how heartily sorry I am to hear— Stop right where you are, sir! Jack Benson's voice thundered out. The young submarine captain did not realize that he was using even more than a quarter-deck tone. Everyone in the lobby turned to look on. A few, more curious than the others, hastened to where the little group stood. What? "'What do you mean?' stammered Fred Radwin, looking mightily bewildered. "'In the future, sir,' and Jack's voice barely fell, "'do us the honor not to speak to us.' "'What on earth?' protested Radwin. "'If you don't heed my request,' Jack continued angrily, "'I don't believe I shall be able to curb my desire to land both fists in your face.' Radwin drew back before the darkening, menacing glare in the eyes of the young submarine captain. Hal, however, turned white, though from a cause that few would have guessed. "'Hold on, Benson, one moment,' protested Fred Radwin. "'Oh, get out of my sight this instant,' quivered Jack, taking another step toward his enemy. Before all the curious throng, Fred Radwin, strangely enough, felt too abashed, for the moment, to persist in his expressions of surprise. "'I'll talk with you later,' he muttered with a sickly smile, then turned away. "'If you do,' Jack called after him, "'I'll—' Benson's voice died down as the young captain felt Hal Hastings' strong, impassioned grip on his arm. Radwin, fortunately, did not turn, but kept on until he had taken himself out of sight. Jack turned an inquiring glance on his chum's face, but Hal's warning look seemed to say, Silence! Wait! What was the row about? asked a stranger among those who had pressed about the boys. Nothing, returned F. Summers, shortly, glaring at his questioner. At a mute signal from Hal, all three of the submarine boys seated themselves once more. By degrees, the little crowd melted away. Then Jack Benson turned to his chum to ask in a low voice, "'What did you mean, Hal, old fellow? I know you had some good reason for checking me as you did.' "'I was afraid you would hit Radwin,' Hal murmured. "'A case of nothing struck if I had,' uttered Captain Jack bitterly. "'Oh, yes, you would have struck at our chances of winning out in these submarine tests,' murmured Hal Hastings. "'What do you mean?' demanded Jack, looking startled. 
If you had hit Radwin in the presence of all those witnesses, you would have been right in line to be arrested for assault. Pooh, jeered Captain Jack. A small fine which I could easily pay. But the inconvenience of being locked up at such a time, asked Hal Hastings. Mr. Farnham would bail me out quickly enough. I don't believe you see all of the point yet, murmured Hal earnestly. Suppose Radwin swore out a warrant against you for striking him. Then suppose he paid a court officer to wait and serve the warrant just as the boats were starting out on some new test cruise. Then you'd go ashore, and we'd either have to go on without our captain or else draw out of the test. Fine business that when our first and only business is to make the Pollard boats the number one winners in as many tests as possible. Great Caesar, exploded Jack, realizing now what a narrow escape he had had from another disaster to their common interests. So you be on your guard, Hal went on with his wise counsel. No one, at least no one in your own crowd, doubts your grit or your willingness to clinch with Radwin and fight it out to a copper-riveted finish. I don't blame you for wanting to thrash Radwin every time you think of poor Dave Pollard up at the hospital. I want to do it myself. Radwin didn't think fast enough, or he'd have sneered at you and provoked you into hitting him. That was why I grabbed your right arm, to stop you. It'll come to Radwin before long what a fine chance he missed. Then he'll put himself in your way when there are witnesses around. Thank you, Hal, nodded Jack Benson, his voice unusually quiet. You've given me a good big hint. I won't forget it. Until the tests are all over, Radwin may parade before me and mock at me if he wants. But afterward... End of chapter 14